I'm Elliot Kraft, and this is The Cafeteria. Twice a month, we bring you the only English training podcast for Francophone professionals, exclusively for members of Kraft Anglais. We're starting the new year strong, with an ambitious program of lessons on the platform and a special two-part episode of The Cafeteria. Our focus? Setting New Year's resolutions for Perfectionnement de l'Anglais that you're guaranteed to keep all year long. So get your caramel macchiato, close your office door, and let's get started. Let's face it, it's happened to all of us. Sometime around the end of December, you find yourself lying in a semi-comatose state on a couch somewhere, and you begin to look ahead to the new year to your new exercise routine, your improved work-life balance, and the many other opportunities for personal and professional growth that await you. Amidst the festivities of the 31st, you forget about all that for a moment, and then suddenly, there it is. In the sobering light of the first days of January, the new year opens up in front of you, and you dive in with all the energy of an Olympian. By mid to late January, an avalanche of responsibilities has robbed your resolutions of some of their vitality. You try to hold on amidst the compromises, but soon enough there's not all that much that distinguishes the new year from the old one. It's back to business as usual. This month, Craft Anglais is laser-focused on making sure this doesn't happen to your New Year's resolutions for Perfectionnement de l'Anglais. Whether you're an overworked lawyer, a busy executive, or an in-demand academic, there is a plan and a rhythm for English training that will work for you and that you'll sustain well beyond the month of January. Today, we kick off 2022 with a special two-part episode of The Cafeteria that will help you discover that plan and put it into practice. If this is the first time you're hearing about the Craft Anglais project, be sure to check us out at craftanglais.com. The new year for English training starts right now. Act one, mini lesson. The list of things to consider when setting up a rigorous yet manageable language training plan is a list that can multiply rapidly. In order to keep things focused and actionable, I've given myself the following constraint for our January cafeteria special three strategies per episode. Today, the emphasis will be on getting organized and creating the frame for your English training plan. In two weeks, we're going to reconnect, and I'll provide additional pointers on how to fill that frame with activities that will target various competencies. In the meantime, you'll have a couple of weeks to get things started and to find your rhythm. If you already have a personal English training plan in place, I'm confident these episodes will give you some fresh ideas with which to energize and go further with your existing program. Let's get started. Something I sometimes hear from my private clients after there's been a break of a week or two in our coaching sessions is, well, luckily I've been using English a lot at work these days. Before looking at scheduling for a successful English training plan, I'd like to put a little pressure on the assumptions underlying this statement. 
In particular, I want to propose what I consider a necessary distinction between two Englishes, the practical one used for things like international conference calls or social events with Anglophone friends, and a training English whose express purpose is an encounter with the language itself. Let's call this special training English, English for English, and let's call the English we use for our professional and personal lives, English for work and play. English for English is where the real work of Perfectionnement de l'Anglais takes place. If the English we use for work and play are the paupiettes de veau attractively lined up in the refrigerated case at the butcher shop, English for English is the laboratoire in back, where the filling is made, the veal is carefully sliced, and the whole thing meticulously assembled in an attractive package. In the relative calm of the English for English Labo, you're free to fully immerse yourself in three practices critical to language learning at the advanced level. First, because you're not occupied with interlocutors or facing immediate demands to speak or write in English, you're free to place your attention on form rather than content. The particular content of what we express in a given language is susceptible to infinite variation. This is not the case with the form. Master the various structures that frame the particular content, and you multiply your range of expression exponentially. Second, English for English makes it possible for you to engage in a conscious practice of creating and reinforcing associative links. Developing language skills is all about forging synaptic pathways and linking them with the production of speech. If you're scrambling to get your point across on a conference call or out with friends, you're just not going to have the time or perspective to reinforce those links. English for English is a space for saying, hey look, that's agree to and not agree on. Or, did you hear that? She said idea and not ID. Finally, the experimental space of English for English allows you to fully embrace the emotions, the surprise, the frustration, the pride that come with mastering a language. Emotion plays a critical role in language learning, providing a kind of mortar or cement that holds in place the linguistic edifice we're developing. Screaming in frustration at a pronunciation mistake, doing your happy dance because you just nailed a preposition, these are good things just not during client development or an international congress. These three practices are the hallmarks of language learners who make substantive and consistent progress. If you're curious to learn more about English for English, check out the lesson titled There's English and There's English on the Craft Anglais platform. Now let's tackle the planning part. As a popular expression has it, half of life is showing up. And as a success strategy, the critical distinction between English and English won't get you very far without a realistic and consistent training rhythm. I'll be forgiven, I hope, for cheating a little bit here on my three-strategy promise, because I've broken this second strategy into three steps. You're going to want to grab something to write with or open a note on your computer or phone. The first step in setting up a training schedule for your personal English program is to determine how much time you can realistically dedicate to language study each week. And it's as simple as answering a few questions. Can you squeeze in 10 minutes of reading on your way to work? 
15 minutes of a podcast on the way home? Is one or two episodes of a compelling series over the weekend doable? We're just looking for a ballpark weekly estimate here, how much time you can realistically free up each week for English. Once you have a figure in mind, go ahead and write it down. Let's say you came up with an hour a week. That's great. A lot can happen in an hour when it comes to language training. Whatever that number is, I'd now like you to cut it in half. When establishing a weekly time goal, especially at the beginning, erring on the conservative side is critical. Sticking with your program will be a source of personal pride and will energize and motivate your training. Failing to stick with it could send you into a self-punishing spiral, and nothing can be worse for independent study, especially for advanced students. So start small and set yourself up for success, knowing that you can always increase the intensity after consistently following your program for a few weeks. If an hour seemed reasonable, then 30 minutes should be a piece of cake. Now that we've cut your weekly English time commitment in half, we're going to spread the love a bit and divide the remaining time into short sessions that we'll distribute across the week. Let's imagine you're seriously committed to building some muscle. Do you go to the gym just once a week or whenever you feel like it? Of course not. Especially at the beginning, you go multiple times per week and you might also lift somewhat heavier weights. After many months of training, once you've achieved the musculature you're looking for, you might consider cutting things back to a lighter maintenance plan. The same principles intended to ensure progress while limiting the risk of injury or burnout apply quite well to independent work on Perfectionnement de l'Anglais. While I would never discourage a weekend spent binge-watching your favorite series, a consistent rhythm of two or more training sessions per week is far better than a highly concentrated session once a month. Breaking things up into multiple weekly training periods also means that if a particular session doesn't work out, you still have a couple of others lined up and will be able to maintain the continuity. Don't forget, continuity is king. The bigger the gap between two training sessions, the more difficult it is to reconnect with and ultimately maintain your rhythm. So plan smart. If after cutting in half your initial time estimate, you ended up with 30 minutes, split it up into two sessions of 15. If you ended up with an hour, try two sessions of 30 minutes or even better, three sessions of 20 minutes. Don't forget that you can always add time or intensify the rhythm after a few weeks. Just to keep things concrete and with a trace écrite, go ahead and note the number and length of your training sessions now. Of course, it's not enough just to say, okay, I'm going to do two 15-minute English training sessions this week. As we all know, things that are left to chance are much less likely to happen than those that are scheduled. So the final step in mapping out your 2022 training program is to identify moments in the week where you know you'll be free to practice more or less without interruption or distraction. And here, the Metro is your friend. It may sound a little bit odd, but situations where you know you will be more or less immobilized can be powerful allies when it comes to establishing consistent training. Let's say that every Wednesday morning you're guaranteed to be stuck in the metro for 30 minutes, or perhaps you have a regular regional commute during your week. If you've got nowhere to go, 
Nothing else to do. No chance someone will knock at your door. It's a perfect opportunity for a little English. And it'll make your commute go by all the more quickly. Let's wrap up our exercise by taking a look at our schedules for the week. If you don't have it near to hand, just imagine it. You know your schedule. Go ahead and assign your training periods to times where you're likely not to be distracted by other things. While doing this, pay attention to evenly spacing out the periods if it works with your schedule. Tuesday-Friday is much better than Monday-Tuesday. So much of establishing successful training habits in just about any area is about making it as easy as humanly possible to stick with it long enough that you start to feel a return on investment. It's that initial payoff that's going to give you the continued motivation you need to keep your English training resolutions going strong, not just in January, but throughout the new year. So you've taken the crucial first step of recognizing that an international conference call or an apéro with anglophone friends should not be confused with the challenging but rewarding work of Perfectionnement de l'Anglais. And with this new idea of English for English in mind, you've made an extremely conservative weekly time commitment and divided it among a couple of windows in your schedule, privileging times when you'll be immobilized in one way or another and relatively free from distraction. Now you're probably wondering, okay, I'm here in the metro. What do I do now? The pedagogical arguments about what types of content or training at what times in what proportions certainly exist. But because I want to keep these strategies simple and actionable, I'm going to save our discussion about content and variation in the training for our next episode. Think of it as a kind of cliffhanger. For today, I'll simply ask you to do one of the following things with your shiny new English training times. Listen to a podcast. <clears throat> Read an article from the Anglophone Press. If you do that, just make sure you choose a publication with high editorial standards like the New York Times or The Economist. Watch a series. Pick up a juicy novel or nonfiction book and start reading it. Whatever kind of content you choose to engage with, it should be something you're genuinely interested in that will give you pleasure and satisfaction. Whatever it is, be sure to engage mindfully in the English for English frame, conscious of the fact that this is time for just you and your relationship with the English language. A final point. Don't delay. If it's not this afternoon, it'll be tomorrow morning or it'll be Tuesday, you will be immobilized somewhere, that créneau is waiting for you, it just needs to be claimed. So right now, take a last look at your schedule, physically if you can, and identify that first session. Point to it, name it, claim it. Then, all you need to do is show up. Get this started as soon as possible, and by the time we reconnect in two weeks, you'll already have discovered and made some adjustments to your rhythm, you'll be exploring interesting content, and most importantly, you'll be well on your way to establishing a regular space for English training that you can sustain the whole year long. As you're getting started, don't hesitate to let me and other members of the Craft Anglais community know how this is working for you. 
Just click over to the community from this lesson's entry on the platform. You can post in the public forum, which is always preferred, so members can learn from one another's questions, or you can contact me directly using the messenger. And now, we've got some pronunciation work to do. Act 2, Pronunciation Break. One of the pedagogical pillars of Craft Anglais is a recursive learning strategy, where rather than forgetting about a lesson altogether when it's done, we regularly retrace our steps, incorporating past lessons into the new ones, and as a result, making all of them stronger. In this spirit, I thought I'd kick off the first pronunciation break of 2022 with what we often refer to as a year in review. It was a long year for the Craft Anglais platform, but a short one for our little cafeteria podcast, so this will be pretty quick. And in order to exercise your listening comprehension a bit here at the beginning of the new year, and because I know how eager you are to get to the exercises, I'm going to move at warp speed through our 2021 pronunciation highlights. So fasten your seatbelt. 2021 was all about establishing a frame for the pronunciation work we do at Craft Anglais. In our first pronunciation break, I began by urging you not to worry too much about pronunciation. While you may be worried about the French R, the science says that nobody else really cares. By virtue of a miraculous trick of the human brain, most repetitive pronunciation variations in English are unconsciously understood and accommodated within moments of speaking. All your listener needs to do is hear a few of those French R's in the right places, and the brain does the rest. Still, in that first episode of the cafeteria, I went on to point out that our pronunciation energy is better directed to situations where punctual pronunciation mistakes could give rise to breakdowns in sense or meaning. As an example of the TH sound, tem in French, theme in English, I pointed out the dangerous proximity of the pronunciation of two words that come up regularly in financial contexts, grosse, brut, and growth, croissance. It's not those French R's, but pronunciation issues like these that really matter, because in theory they could result in an unexpected outcome for your negotiations. In episode 2, we built on our TH work when I introduced three of the English words most frequently mispronounced by francophones, one of which was threshold. We also looked at the crucial difference between month and months and never months's, and finally I reminded you that ID means pièce d'identité in English. If you want to communicate idée, it's gotta be idea. Finally, our episode 3 pronunciation break introduced us to the magical world of T becomes D, where hard T T sounds soften to become D sounds in certain words. Our examples included double T words like matter, better, and butter, and words like litigation. It's weird to say matter, better, butter, or litigation. Indeed, the softening of the T into a D is there precisely to ease pronunciation and make it more natural, almost like a liaison. Matter, better, butter, litigation. (sighs) Don't worry if you didn't get all that. The beauty of the podcast is that you can always go back and listen again, and if you missed last year's pronunciation breaks, I strongly encourage you to do just that. And let's not forget what matters most with pronunciation and all language learning at the advanced level. It's getting it out of your brain and into your body. Having rapidly reviewed 2021's pronunciation points, let's put them into practice with some fresh exercises for 2022. As always, you'll find these written in the entry for this episode on the Craft Anglais platform. Please repeat after me. The matter was better 
last month. The matter was better last month. Good. This next one is a little more complex, so I'm going to break it into two parts. The idea is to request an ID. Before the waiter crosses the threshold. Good. Altogether, the idea is to request an ID before the waiter crosses the threshold. Great. The monthly threshold hasn't been met these months. The monthly threshold hasn't been met these months. Great. One more. While our gross assets are modest, we're expecting significant growth in 2022. I'm going to break that down into two pieces. While our gross assets are modest, we're expecting significant growth in 2022. And altogether, while our gross assets are modest, we're expecting significant growth in 2022. That does it for our 2021 pronunciation year in review. Stay tuned next episode for three more English words most frequently mispronounced by Francophones. And if there's a pronunciation point you'd like to work on, hop over to the community and let me know. Now it's time for office hours. Act 3, Office Hours. As always in the cafeteria, we conclude by taking questions from you, the Craft Anglais community. Today we have two excellent questions, a technical question about the platform, and a question about a figure of speech that apparently I use all the time. Let's start with the technical question. Law asks, how do I update my training interests on the Craft Anglais platform, and when should I do it? Thanks, Law. This is a great question. Training interests are something users select when they join Craft Anglais, and they impact the content that's featured in the classroom area of the platform, so that the lessons most directly related to your goals are right at your fingertips. You can update your interests at any time. This is a good thing to do if you want to change the kinds of lessons you're seeing featured, but also to mark a change in your English learning journey. Let's say there's been an evolution in your professional life, for example. You were searching for a job and interviewing a lot, and so you'd selected interviews as an interest, and you were following lessons from the space called the interview on the platform and other related lessons. Once you've landed your new job, it's a great opportunity to ask, what's next for your English training? Updating your interests is a great way to mark these transitions and to start preparing for the next big challenge. To update your training interests, click on your profile photo and then on Account. On the left, click on Interests. In the second block of tiles or buttons, you'll see your three training interests. You'll need to deselect one before choosing another. Now, Naomi asks, I hear you use the expression, when it comes to, a lot. 
I get the idea, but could you explain what it means and how to use it? Thanks, Naomi. I do use the expression when it comes to a lot. In fact, I used it in today's episode. But situations where you know you will be more or less immobilized can be powerful allies when it comes to establishing consistent training. When it comes to roughly translates the French quand il s'agit de or en matière de. To be honest, I can't think of a suitable replacement in English, which is probably why I use it so often. In could work, for example. Situations where you know you'll be more or less immobilized can be considerable allies in establishing consistent weekly training sessions. It works just fine. For me, in is just a little quick, though. And now that I'm thinking about it, I like the way when it comes to sets up whatever is to follow. We take the time to prepare our interlocutor or our reader for what's coming next for the thing that we're about to introduce. I took a quick look on the platform and I confirm. I use this expression a lot. Here are a couple of examples. Talking about preposition use between French and English, I wrote, And for good reason, the two languages seem to be completely at odds when it comes to the use of prepositions or lack thereof with this group. In the lesson titled Getting Started, I wrote, When it comes to reference materials, you'll want strong online English and French English dictionaries, as well as good resources for idiomatic expressions and technical language. Here's an idea. Click over from today's podcast episode to the community and write a sentence of your own using the expression when it comes to. I'll provide feedback and pointers in the comments, and we can discuss some of them when we reconnect in two weeks. That does it for this episode of The Cafeteria. When it comes to your New Year's resolutions for English, Craft Anglais will have you covered all month and all year. Looking forward to seeing you back here in two weeks for part two of today's episode. In the meantime, Happy New Year and best wishes for 2022. Couchez Jean-Pierre. Pas bouger.